welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Okay, uh, if we can make sure our uh, back door is uh, closed there before we begin. Again, welcome to welcome to the uh, Saturday evening um, Step nine, uh, breakout group, how free do you want to be? Uh, my name, welcome to this meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. My name is Nick from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'll be your facilitator for this session. Um, I am not joined by anyone else at this point. Uh, so let me say again, the name of this meeting is how free do you want to be? Step nine. Okay, so please take a moment to silence all electronic devices. If you need to use yours uh, during this meeting, we ask that you please take it outside um, of the room. Please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'm actually joined by my other facilitator over to my left here. Okay, this is Lawrence. So we'll both share. Go ahead. We'll both share for about seven to ten minutes. Um, I'll go ahead and go first, and then I'll turn it over to uh, Lawrence, and then we'll open it up to uh, shares about three minutes apiece for those that we have then. Okay? So, step nine. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, this meeting is being, uh, this meeting is being recorded. So, in the spirit of the 12th uh, tradition to carry the message, this meeting is being uh, recorded. The recorder will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. Again, uh, we'll share our experience, strength, and hope, myself and Lawrence, for five to seven minutes. Um, Then we'll leave about 25, 30 minutes for sharing and closing announcements. So step nine said, make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. I think it's really appropriate that I actually just came from the step eight um, and step eight and one half uh, workshop just before this about forgiveness. Even though I won't talk a lot about that, but more specifically on step nine, I think 
obviously doing your list, which comes from your step four list of people that you're going to become ready to make amends to, um, is crucial. And so once you make that list and you talk with your sponsor about it, um, how to go about making direct or indirect amends to those people, um, forgiveness is essential for step nine. Um, I found through step nine that you have to go into step nine with no expectations. No expectations from the other person that the other person's going to give you a big, wet, sloppy kiss and hug you and say, I forgive you. That is one reason for step nine, which I learned from my sponsor, that I do not ask the people that I'm making amends to to forgive me. I don't do that because that can potentially be a way to set up to manipulate that person. So in place of asking that person to forgive me, my sponsor encouraged me to say and to end my uh, script, which I script up, and I'll explain that in a little bit before I actually make those amends, even for the indirects, is um, I apologize, and you leave it at that, and then you can say, I'm certainly open to any feedback that you may have. So in actually going about step nine, the process I use and that I learned from my sponsor that I use with my sponsees and that I used uh, with myself as well is we have a script format that we go through um, for our amends, direct and indirect. And the first thing is that you identify the wrong that you did to that person. This is actually kind of a combination of steps, you know, eight and nine kind of mixed together a little bit. Yeah, they kind of, they're very closely related. So you name the wrong that you did to that person. Then, and the specific, the second thing is those specific character defects involved in the wrong to that person. The third thing is a prayer for yourself, a prayer for yourself to God, to your higher power, as you understand him related to those character defects in this amend and the wrong that was done. The next step is a prayer for that person. The final step after that is what are you actually going to say in that amends and you script that out. Now, when you do the actual amends, um, and this is where your sponsor helps, um, do not do this step without a sponsor. It would be unwise to do that because it could be, as I talked about before, it could be anguish dumping just to get back into good graces with the other person. It could be a manipulation. So as you're scripting this out, you recite it to your sponsor. And what I found is I'm much more flowery in my, in my words that actually come out on paper than I am when I actually speak them out of my mouth. Um, it's, it's kind of amazing how that works in black and white when I see it in front of me. But so it, it seems to always become modified uh, when I actually speak it to the other person. But as long as I address those steps that I mentioned um, and I go in clean with no expectations, 
And almost, you know, I think a bookend, you guys have heard what bookending is, making calls uh, before you go into a potential um, tempting situation or a potential problematic situation. You bookend before you do it, you bookend after. And all the amends that I have done up to this point, and it took me a number of years because I had, I had two, I believe I had two separate relapses in the middle of my list. Um, and I just finished it up a few months ago, and there were probably about 150 names on that list. Um, not only people that I resent, but also uh, institutions and principals as well. Like, well, how the hell do you make a, an amends to a principal? Believe me, there's a way that it can be done. Um, and most of those were prayers to God because God was ultimately the one that I was angry with. Um, you know, ideas such as money makes the world go round or, um, you know, the golden rule. Um, and again, there are ways to make those amends. The majority of my amends were, amends were indirect amends because they were more mental resentments. Um, the actual direct amends I did to people, I could probably count on two hands. But this is essential. This is the real meat of the program right now. This is where the promises of the spiritual awakening start to come true. And it is true. It does work. It takes time. You're thinking, when in the hell am I ever going to be done with this step? Do I really have to go to these, per these people? Yes. Or you have to at least be willing to do that. Because we're doing this to be free. And we're doing it without anesthesia. Because we don't like conflict. We don't like people to be upset with us. We're affirmation addicts. And this brings us down to right size. It pops my ego balloon, which is what I need. And it has been an amazing journey for me. I shared in the last session one of the, the strongest... Um, amends I made was to my father, who lives in Australia. And we contact, we hadn't spoken for six years. And just recently within the last year, um, my sponsor said something that I'll never forget. He said, what would God have you do? And I've been contacting my father ever since. I offered the amends to him over the phone. And um, in the last session, um, I offered my forgiveness verbally to him. So God is certainly doing for me what I can't do for myself. The promises are coming true for me. And that can come true for every single person in this room because we know that resentments, we can't handle them. That's the number one killer of us. We are so angry and pissed off. We don't even know how angry we are. But forgiveness is the first step. And then being willing to go to that person to make it right to surrender the defect of character. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for sharing. Hello, everyone. Lawrence. Hey, Lawrence. Hey. Lawrence. Sober since uh, 2000. Yeah. <clears throat> In my experience, uh, I did the steps formally, technically, compliantly, and I left the program. Not sure exactly the sequence there, but 
the point is that when I finally really did the steps, and especially steps eight and nine, I did it from my heart. I had not done that the first time. I did what I was told. But until I got to that place where I understood that this was a spiritual process that God was in the center of, I couldn't quite get what this was all about. And so I just want to start by saying that in the big book, it says on page 79, reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, not to restore my relationship with X, Y, or Z, but to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. So the name of this particular session is called How Free Do You Want to Be? And if you're like me, if you're like me, um, you had a whole series of people that you needed to make amends to, people, institutions, and some of them were easier than others. So the easy ones, yeah, I could do that. But it was these tougher ones where all of this was at stake, position, reputation, and I needed to be willing to risk everything, or so it seemed to me. It never ends up that way quite, but it seemed to me like it was like climbing a mountain straight up. So one of the things that I did with my sponsor and since then use this is that I actually write an entire letter to each of the people because I need to go through this process and, and I tend to, even when I'm pretty sure I've done something wrong, I'm looking for a way to split the difference. And so uh, I need to write this letter out and see where I'm going to come out saying, well, you know, I did this, but, and then, you know, throw a little bit of a you know, balancing act there in, into the letter. So I needed to be able to sift all of that out and really stay in my lane and stay on my side of the street and, and clean it. And it, the big book says, with no regard whatsoever for what was done from their side. One of the defining experiences of my life was making an amends to my father and then to my mother later. And I could honestly feel at the end of this process that I felt, you know, maybe a couple of inches taller. I don't think if you measured it, I would have actually shown that, but it felt that way. I felt like I had matured as a human being that moved into a different phase of my life, passing through. And I think that's what the promises are all about. So this program says, yeah, you do this, 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 and this, but if your heart isn't engaged, you may not get the same experience. So how do you get your heart engaged? Just work your steps as best you can and and pray that God will enter into the process with you and that you're not alone. It's not just you and your sponsor. There's It's a three-legged stool. And the only adjective with which God is described in the 12-step program in the Steps and Traditions is one word, loving. And if that loving God is there, there will be love in your steps. 
Otherwise, you're just technically complying, and it doesn't really have the same effect. So I write these letters, and as was shared, most of my amends were indirect for a variety of reasons, um, but whatever the case, I talked them through with my sponsor. But the net effect is the same, because in the spiritual realm, I am owning, releasing, and God is doing his thing. And I don't, uh, I can just give you one example of the direct intervention of God in my, in my step work in this, on these, in these two steps. I put somebody's name on there. It was a a person I'd been friends with and, uh, I lost touch with her and I basically cut her off because the only boundary I ever knew in my life was, you don't exist for me anymore. Goodbye. So I did this to her. She was doing some annoying things and, uh, I lost track of her. I don't know, 23, 24 years later, all of a sudden I'm doing my, my steps and I, with her name pop up, pops up and I put her on the list. And, uh, I say to God, when it's time to do step nine, I go, I have no idea if she's living or dead, married, dead, you know, single, where? I don't know where to begin. You're going to have to intervene. And I moved on to the next list, next name. And, um, the phone rings at noon that day and it's another friend in a program, do you want to go check out this meeting in another fellowship? Yeah, okay, let's have dinner first, great. So we have dinner, we walk into this meeting in the evening. Who is sitting in the meeting? After all those years, there she was. So I understand now, and I understood then especially, that God has the ability and even the intention to do the impossible, or so I think, and when that becomes a reality, I'll do anything for that spiritual experience. And and what did I really have to do? Put a name on the list and then pray. So that seems to be, it seems to be very risky to uh, risk my reputation or whatever else, but how free do I want to be? I want to take the risk. And if I've really taken steps two and three to really trust God, not just to believe that he exists, but to make a decision to trust, then I will be willing, I'll be ready to, to take steps eight and nine from the heart, really believing, I can't do this. I don't know where you're going to find her in the universe, but you put her right in front of me, and there was the proof. And there are many examples like that, and, and that is what's going to happen to all of us if we really surrender to this process. So... That's how free I wanted to get, and I, I pray it's the same for you. Thanks. Here, read that. Okay, here are the guidelines for sharing at this meeting. If you would like to share, please come up ahead of your turn and make a line by sitting in the assigned chairs up front. When it is your turn, please, to, uh, please speak clearly so that everyone can hear you into the microphone. In participation... We avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriately explicit or is focusing excessively on the problem rather than on the solution, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. 
The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share, not to break your own or another member's anonymity. And with that, um, we'll do two minute shares. Does that sound good? Three. Uh, three? three it's, it's smaller. So okay. Who's our uh, timekeeper? I am. Steve? Okay. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> I didn't lose any time on that, I hope. Uh, <laughs> I'm, see, that's why I had to go first. I'm Steve. I'm a recovered sexaholic. I'm from Connecticut, and my sobriety date is December 2009. Uh, and I thank the, our two uh, facilitators here for uh, really important shares for me. And, um, you know, I was thinking about coming to this room. I said, well, you know, I did my ninth step, um, I don't know, five years ago, and I did it pretty thoroughly. But, but I was so drawn by the title. And... Um, and I've uh, been in a little bit of a funk at work um, because my character defects have been showing, and it has to do with having let my program uh, become complacent in my program, and, and I don't need to really share a lot about that uh, at this meeting, but that that's the truth. And um, so I find myself uh, making a lot of 10-step amends, and, I, and I'm really pretty good about that. I, when I identify I've, I've done something, um, you know, making trying to make it right the same day, and um and guess what you know uh, it's true people don't really uh, often they don't care about it or they may say thank you but uh, it it doesn't make things better in terms of my life i mean it's important for me because i have to do it i know i have to do it but what i've uh, heard just now is a um you know, praying for the person ahead of time and realizing it didn't really strike me that a lot of my behaviors right now are coming out of, uh, resentments that are sotto voce, you know, and, um, and that's so clear to me. And, um, uh, so I'm working with a coach and the coach, you know, tells me, you know, people don't really want to hear, you know, it's good to do the amends, but you know, the main thing is like, don't do the behaviors that require the amends. And that, that's really almost a step before step nine in some ways, uh, because that really has to do with the whole way I live anyway. Uh, so that, that's very important for me. And I have to recognize how free do I want to be? You know, I, I, when I was in my best program some years ago, I mean, I was really happy, joyous and free and, you know, things are pretty good right now, but, uh, but I want that freedom that I had. Um, and I really realize that that what's different now is the complacency. And so I've just got to step that up. So, you know, focusing on the resentments and the prayer for the other person is something I'm going to be uh, thinking about a lot. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Hi, uh, my name is Mark, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, everyone. Uh, so I'm stuck on on step nine. I've been on it. Uh, I've I'm um, I've been in in recovery f- for um, almost two years, and um, I've been sober almost two years. I became sober when I stepped foot in SA, but I've been on step nine for a long time now, and I can't. I haven't been able to make direct amends to my wife or to my daughter and even even to my son and um uh i don't i don't know exactly why uh why that is um i have a codependent relationship with my wife and um she uh 
during our we've been married a long time over 30 years and during that time um uh we decisions have been made with regard to finances uh particularly that um i was opposed to but didn't didn't raise my voice and and as a result we now find ourselves today in 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 a financial situation we 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 needn't be in um so so i guess i have um so the resentments I have, particularly because I, I, I was, I was never, I never felt free to express how I really felt. Um, and I think that's what's hindering cleaning my side of the street. Um, uh, I mean, some amends I know I can make, for example, uh, uh, when, when, when I was deeply watching, deeply involved watching pornography and she would call, I wouldn't answer the phone. I would just, you know, I would, I would just let it ring and, and continue to watch pornography. So that, that's something that's, um, that's, that's, uh, easy to do. Um, but she also, she has really, she doesn't want to be involved in, in the essay program or SNN. That's not something she wants to be involved in. Uh, whether she's threatened by or not, I'm not sure. So I, I'm kind of stuck. Um, I know I have to, I have to do something. Um, and, um, I'm just not sure, you know, how to do it. Um, so I wanted to bring that to the light. And as, as far as my daughter is concerned, um, she, uh, had seen me act out when she was in her early teens and kept it a secret for 10 years or so. So I, um, I certainly owe her an amends and, um, and, she lives she lives quite far away from home and i haven't sat down with her to make an amends yet either um our relationship is just kind of getting better um but thank you for letting me share good afternoon i'm michael i'm a sexaholic from new york thanks for the leaders for uh helping us out here um i'm feeling a lot of fear and anxiety and like finding it hard to share and I'm an extremist. I know surprise. Um, I either go to conventions and I'm like the, you know, Mr. Service or I'm like in the back of the room. I don't know how to do, do a little bit. Um, but it's good to be, be here as like a, almost like a newcomer mindset and just listen and take it in. And a lot of good things I heard. Um, I'll start with something positive. So I, I relate so much to the story about the amends because in, this had to have been 2014 when I was like, rig- I first got sober in October 2013. I was like working my steps like an animal. I mean, my, my sponsor like couldn't give it to me fast enough. And I was like sending it back next day service FedEx, you know, like um, same day service. And there was one amends where it was an employee of mine from, had to have been like almost 10 years earlier. And, I abused the guy. I mean, like literally just did not care for him. He was like, he was like a cog in the wheel and I just threw stuff at him. Um, and had no regard for his well being and didn't even see him as a person. Another form of objectification. And I didn't know how to reach him, didn't know where he was, didn't know if he was alive and put him on a list. And I was in divorce court then for my uh, acting out and, uh, walked into court and literally like, smashed into this guy in the elevator like he went like boom like in the middle of divorce court in brooklyn new york um i asked him what he was doing there he said he had no idea <laughs> well i felt like telling him well, i know why you're here um so that was that was a, and it reminds me like you remind me like god is has no boundaries of what he can and cannot do 
um, if I let him. And these days, um, I don't have that that fire, that spark, that happiness, that freedom. You know, how free do I want to be? I, I'd like to think I want to be freer than I am today. Um, but then again, I have to ask myself if that's really true or am I happy in my discomfort? Um, I can't harvest spirituality, you know, I, I can't like, it was great in 2014, but I can't, you know, I thought, well, I'll just work the steps. And I'll just get this like big ball of like spiritual fire and it'll like propel me for the rest of my life. And it just is not what like, you know, back to the basics. Um, I feel like my program's a little confused, like a lot of steps working at one time and a lot of ideas and a lot of new boundaries and what's wrong and what's right. And it's got to like, you know, wipe the board clean and like, let's start, let's start again with the basics. So this is, this is good for me to hear. Um, and yeah, I'm just, just grateful to be, uh, just another guy in SA today. Thanks. Say, hey everybody, my name's Al and I am a sexaholic. I live in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, my sobriety uh, is two years and a month. And, um, the techniques I used for, um, my ninth step very much are similar to the way Nick had, uh, described it. Um, one of the uh, biggest, uh, issues I had in, with regards to forgiveness was with my father as well. And, uh, I thought I had settled that issue, uh, several years ago after I went to a, um, Promise Keepers a Men's uh, Christian uh, Gathering in Lubbock, Texas. And after that uh, two-and-a-half-day uh, deal, I went home and um, immediately went to my father's house and sat him down and told him I, I had to forgive him. Um, and um, that did a lot for our relationship, but I realized it really wasn't enough. There were still issues I was having. <clears throat> okay, now... I got into the program uh, late Octo- uh, in October of 2014, and soon I got into my steps. I'm in step 10 now. But when it came to my father, my sponsor realized that I still had something going on that I needed to be settled. And I come to realize, as he mentioned to me, was that I was still expecting my dad to be something different than what he was. I wanted my dad to be that loving, caring uh, enthusiastic, forgiving, hugging type of dad that he wasn't. So in doing my ninth step with my dad, we made some changes to the format. And he said, um, now my dad's 86 years old and he's very deaf and so, um, and he lives in Amarillo. So we decided that what to do was, um, I was to write a letter to him and this letter was going to be in the format of a gratitude list. And that was difficult to do. I had to sit down and I had to start thinking about things that was grateful for my dad. When I started writing, things just started flowing. And so did my tears. I cried. I realized that there was more about my dad that I failed to look at and realize than, than what, how I was looking at him. So I wrote that letter. And um, the best thing, as my sponsor said, was to mail it to him. Because talking to him on the phone, he would be going, and my dad is not a telephone guy. It's like, hey, how, how you doing? How's the weather there in San Antonio? Hey, have you heard about the Packers, man? The Packers are doing good. My dad's from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, by the way. 
and he talks about the Packers, the Brewers, everything about Milwaukee. So, and then when that, when that, when he says that, when he's done with that, it's over. Conversations. Okay, son, good talking with you. Bye. So I wrote him the letter. And, um, several days later, he calls me up and he tells me he got my letter. And, um, um, he got kind of quiet. I could tell he was getting teary. And it, of course, made me teary eyed too. Um, long story short, that was the deal. That was the breaker right there. My dad relationship with me and me with him are just, um, outstanding. When I go visit him, which I do in Father's Day, it was so different. Um, because I wasn't looking for that other dad. I was looking at my dad as to who he was. My dad is who he is, was, is, that's how he was raised. He had no other way of, of being who, uh, the dad that he could be. So, um, anyway, thank you for letting me share. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Mike, um, grateful recovering sexaholic, Rochester, New York. Um, just uh, started my step nine about, I want to say about six months ago. No, a little bit more because right before Christmas time. Um, and uh, one of the, obviously the hardest for me was my wife. Um, and we we had uh, we had a date. We went out to dinner, and lucky enough for us, there was pretty much nobody else there. And so, um, you know, one of the things my sponsor told me going into step nine was consider what feelings you caused, and that's what you want to talk about. Don't make it an itinerary of I did this, this, and this. Check them all off. Okay, there it is. Done. Um, express how you think you made them feel. And then at the end, say, did I miss anything? And just sit back and listen if there's anything that you missed. And she had some things that I missed. Um, but what I wanted to share about was um, an experience I had this week. And I'm still on my step nine, but I have an awful lot of indirect amends to go through. Um, but earlier this week, um, my wife went out with some of her friends. Now, some of her friends had actually cheated on their husbands and she was listening to their struggles. And what she said to me, she, she, she sat me down. She goes, I want to say, I'm, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, um, and at first I thought she was talking about something else. And I'm like, Oh no, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Um, no, no, you need to sit down. And, you know, it became, Quick, I quickly understood that, you know, she's not in a program of her own, but I was getting an amends and, um, it was, it was powerful. And to, I, I had no expectations of that. You know, I, I never even thought that would, I didn't know if whatever was going to happen, you know, but, uh, that was a, just a great experience. And I'm just grateful for this program to be able to, to do that because I felt so much different since uh, going through step nine. It's like a big turning point. So thanks. Hi, I'm Wally. I'm powerless over lust. I was thinking how, you know, when you say how free do you want to be? I was thinking, okay, how am I not free? What are ways I'm not free? And I thought, well, 
when I'm lusting and obsessing, that doesn't feel very free. Uh, if I'm acting out and my brain starts driving me to keep acting out, that insanity, that doesn't feel free. And I thought shame really is a kind of bondage. And I thought, well, then how do I get rid of shame? And I was thinking, well, fifth step helps to bring stuff to the light, you know, share it with somebody. It's kind of like a confession of sorts. Um, making amends, ninth step, continuing to do that in tenth step. All those things help get rid of shame. Um, you know, what the other person thinks of me is none of my business, but I need to do that for me. And, um, you know, those things help get rid of that. But one thing, my wife and I read some passages out of the big book every day, and we always end with one that's near the back of the book. It's in the same reading as the has the acceptance statement in there. At the very end of that, it says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. I really have to stop and think about it, but it's really true. If you do the things you ought to do, because that's what you want to do. That really is free. It's not that you have to do it. There's no pressure, you know. And um, that, there's a lot there. One other thing I wanted to say, um, when I think it was Mike was talking about his dad um, and what he how he conceived of his dad and that. One thing that was a big turnaround for me was realizing that I was reacting to God according to my old childhood concept of God, which was really bad. You know, he was a nasty God, vengeful, and I resented him, and I was carrying all this resentment around. And when I realized that, I thought, okay, i got to throw that out and upgrade my concept of God. And I try to have no concept and try to just simply listen to those little urges in me that are there that most of the time I don't listen to and try to say, okay, what's the next right thing to do? And let him direct it. And um, that's made a big difference. And two of my kids have said that they're not sure if they believe in God or not, or they don't believe in God. And all I said to him was, I said, I'm not going to preach to you, but just ask yourself, if you're still looking at God the way you did when you were a kid, and maybe you've outgrown that, and let God be God, give him a chance, you know, try to get a new concept or have no concept, whatever, but try to throw off any old concept where your God isn't a very good God. You know, and I think of prayers like, Lord's Prayer or something, where they say, Our Father. Some people may have had a lousy relationship with their father. You know, and sometimes in a meeting, if they're going to say that prayer, I'll say, you know, maybe your grandfather was better or an uncle was better. Picture them. Picture God that way, you know, or your mother, you know. So what? God could be mother. You know, find a different concept that works better, and maybe then it's easier to relate to God, and you can unload some of that stuff that keeps you from being free. Thanks. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I just kept thinking throughout listening to the, the shares of my ex- my experience with Step Nine. The timing is everything. Timing seems to be everything in life. Um, I know that when I started doing s- Step nine amends well i tried to do one which was more of an apology right after the you know it hit the fan uh because i had been kicked out of the house and my sons which were you know they were all over 20 they were demanding an explanation and my wife was very reluctant to give it so i mean i just i 
decided I was going to come clean and, and tell them about it. Um, they were adult. They had a right to know. And, and is that my wife? <laughs> um, so I tell them about it and, you know, I was apologizing. I was remorseful. I was crying and that was not the right time. That was just not the right time to seek forgiveness, uh, because there was, they were just learning about, uh, the insanity and my betrayal of their, their mom. So it, it took a while before I could broach the subject. I, I remember my, my son who, a uh, son who lives, uh, uh, away now um, in Western PA, and I every periodical I would start to talk to him, and just, well, this is what I'm doing in program, and he was like, I don't want to know what you're doing in program, and that was important for him to say because that you know that was not he my reality had to be dealt with first, uh, and and not only was it being involved in program, it was. Working, uh, you know, changing my character defects, being the type of person that I, that, that was important for me to be working a program of recovery for me, not for anyone else. And it wasn't about just being forgiven. I have absolutely no control over, um, over that aspect of, uh, my recovery. What's important is that I'm, I'm honest. And with my wife, that's, that's important. I, you know, she could smell BS a mile away and, uh, and if I'm if I'm not in a healthy state, she will know about it, and I'm grateful for that uh, because the the double life and the um, and the lying and uh, uh, needed to stop, and it had to be replaced with with kindness and honesty and 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 being able to say things that were uncomfortable uh, without any expectation of understanding or forgiveness. So. Um, Step nine amends have to be made uh, at the uh, appropriate moment, and 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 I think you know, or I know when those when those opportunities are. And it doesn't. It didn't mean that I couldn't, you know, step uh, go into step ten and and take my daily inventory. It didn't mean that I couldn't, uh, you know, seek a, a better relationship with my higher power through prayer and meditation. It didn't mean that I that, that I couldn't start. Um, Working the uh, the steps uh, in all of my affairs and and reaching out to others and and spreading the uh, the message of recovery. Uh, step nine amends will uh, will be completed. Maybe they will never be completed, but when the time is right, I need to take that uh, initiative. Thank you. Hi, my name is Ari. Great for recovering sexaholic. Uh, so a couple of things jumped out at me from previous shares, uh, specifically the father prayer. <laughs> I never thought about it in that, in that sense. And I, I, you know, I appreciate my father, but I have a lot of resentments towards him. And I was trying to think if it's a grandmother, uncle or somebody, but I couldn't find somebody to put in there instead of it. So, um, I'm not sure what we're going to do. We'll figure that out. Uh, step eight, um, uh, sitting here just, uh, step nine that is making a, the, a, an amends. I was sitting here trying to remember why I did not hear the warning in the white book to newcomers, a caution, a word of caution, I think it is in the white book, that we don't dump. And uh, I didn't know that. Uh, the first meeting I attended, I came late, so it wasn't a newcomers meeting. And I promptly went about a week 
or two later. There's no other newcomer meetings in between. And I thought I was making an amends to my wife, which um, had disastrous effects that I'm still dealing with today. We are married, but it created crazy, crazy havoc in our lives, um, specifically for her. Uh, so I know what not to do. Um, I have done the steps once or twice before, but I never did it in a sense that I'm in the process of doing it now. I'm at, excuse me, I'm at step six. Um, my sponsor tells me just to, you know, to keep reading and, uh, understanding, getting a better understanding of what I'm willing to do and to get the humbleness. But in my past experiences of step eight, it was truly humbling, you know, specifically, some of the names I had done a little bit of a script. I did not um, reread it to my sponsor or anything like that, but I had written a script specifically because I knew that I can get a mental block calling somebody on the phone and getting flustered. And some of these people were high school classmates that one of them specifically told me in high school, he says, you're going to call me probably in about 10 years or 15 years, and you're going to beg for my forgiveness. <laughs> And I'm like, MF, I cannot call this guy now and ask him or, or make an amends. And I didn't ask for forgiveness. I did not, um, you know, as per as, uh, what you had shared. And I made that amends. And he was perfectly fine. And he was like, yeah, you were young. We were young. You didn't understand. I said, yeah, but like part of my script was you remember that, right? Yeah, I remember. Don't worry. It's okay. You know, we're immature and that was such a freeing feeling that probably the most frightful amends that I'll have to make. I'm thinking, I mean, I maybe have to get a little deeper into it, but you know, having the guy tell that to me 10 years ago, this is what you're going to do. And I'm not going to accept it. And then he accepted it. So I'm truly grateful for having had that experience. So now my reworking it, I'm a little bit less anxious, I should say, it's still anxious, so uh, that's all. Thanks, Lady Michelle. Thanks, all right. Okay, thank you, everyone. In closing, anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with SA in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for SA. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an SA to yourself. The shares we have heard here were told in confidence. Please do not repeat what you've heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. And please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. And all those willing and able will close out with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works when you work it. So works. Another original variation. Right, exactly.
Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, terrific. I really enjoyed your show. Where are you from? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. And you're from? DC. That's correct. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. All right, buddy. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.